Yo, 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 it's Sports Decaf. It's the boy, Thought of a Tool. How's everyone doing? It's a Friday spring break. I wish everyone the best of luck. I'm living my best life. How's everyone doing? Pretty nice, pretty nice. You know, speaking of breaks, the man of the hour takes no breaks. That's why I'm here. It's your boy, the one and only Thought of Abdullah. So for today's show, guys, we got a lot of topics, so I want you guys to stick with us. We're going to discuss Odell Beckham Jr. with the Cleveland Browns, Russell Westbrook comments toward that fan in Utah, James Dolan giving a lifetime ban to that fan in New York City. And some, some Lou Williams talk. Is he the best six man to ever play the game of basketball? Carl Anthony Towns, you know, how, how good is Carl Anthony Towns? He's been eating lately. And we're going to wrap up the show with Earl Spence versus Mikey Garcia. What we think about that fight and what we think is going to go down. But for right now, we're going to talk about some NFL free agency, which has basically been a blockbuster show. It's been a whole drama show. I mean, I'm going to let you, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the stage. What are your thoughts about this whole NFL free agency? I like it. I think a lot of teams got better, and by a lot. And by that, what I mean is, the Jacksonville Jaguars went from you know one of the worst, one of the worst offensive teams in football to, arguably, we can argue that now they have a shot at competing, you know, really competing in the playoffs. We've got the Baltimore Ravens with the acquisition of Earl Thomas. I mean, I know they got rid of Terrell Suggs and a lot of key guys, but I know that team's rebuilding their defense and restructuring to a more young core built around Earl Thomas, you know, who's who's starting, you know, he knows, he's about to hit 30. I don't know if he's hit it yet. But, I mean, a lot of teams made big trades. The New York Jets with the acquisition of Le'Veon Bell. Kareem Hunt, you know, this happened a little while back. You know, the Browns signed him. The only thing about that is, you know, if his suspension will be withheld or, you know, if they'll give him a, you know, reduced suspension. We just don't know. It's all pending. But a lot of things happen. You know, Odell Beckham, now he's a Cleveland Brown. I mean, this free agency, in terms of the AFC, a lot happened. And then let's also not forget that the New York G- Giants, I don't know what went through their head trading Odell Beckham, getting rid of Landon Collins, but who knows? Maybe they got some in the bag for draft day. But overall, man, this this free agency was a crazy one. What are your thoughts? Um, I, I definitely agree with you. Free agency has been a crazy one. But I want to talk about a team that no one's really talking about. They're making their, their, their low-key moves. It's the Green Bay Packers. They signed Zadarius Smith, an outside linebacker, came from the Baltimore Ravens, a young dude. He can play. They also got Adrian Amos from the Chicago Bears. So that's two players from the top defenses in the NFL. I mean, Adrian Amos, solid, solid safety. But the only thing about their safety core now, they're what, they're like 5'10", 5'8". I mean, they're going to have a short safety core. And they also got Preston Smith, a solid outside linebacker who, you know, has never missed has never missed a game in his life. 64 for 64 starts. Green Bay Packers looking nice. Baltimore Ravens, however, I don't know what's going to be going on with them. I don't know why Earl Thomas signed with that team. That's that's just me personally. I think this team has lost a lot of stars in in the past few weeks. But back to the Cleveland Browns, I mean, they signed Sheldon Richardson. They got Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt. I mean, this team is looking special. I love what they're doing in, in Cleveland. And I also love I, – I, honestly, I want to say I didn't really love the, the New York Jets getting Le'Veon Bell. I think Le'Veon Bell is in his prime. Sam Darnold has a few years until he develops into the quarterback that he is. That's just me personally. But, I mean, back to the point, AFC is looking crazy. Nick Foles with the Jacksonville Jaguars. This team looks like it's gonna it might contend for a for a playoff position. Um, same thing with the Cleveland Browns. I think me and you agree they're the AFC North favorites. But it's it's going it's it's going to be crazy. This I love what the what what the whole NFL free agency has been. Antonio Brown with the Oakland Raiders. Now they're looking like they can be a good team. John Gruden's been doing an amazing job. For, we got we got we actually got to give him some recognition. 
NFL free agency, A plus. A plus all on the boards. A plus. Yeah, I wanna I wanna touch up on John Gruden for a little bit. I mean, you get Antonio Brown. You're on the you're on the verge of signing Khalil Mack, you know, before the season started last season. And you make the move to trade him, which I think now that I look at now that I look at it was the best move the Oakland Raiders have made. Simply because John Gruden He's not worried about what's going to happen these next two years. He's worried about building a whole dynasty within his 10-year tenure in Oakland. Or, you know, when they transition to Las Vegas. But I think this Oakland Raiders team, they're already going to make the playoffs next season. I I feel, you know, you add Antonio Brown. They really didn't have that, you know, wide receiver who can really change the culture in that locker room. I mean, guys are going to see the work ethic of Antonio Brown, and it's just going to make them want to work harder. You had Amari Cooper. I feel like he just – I feel like he wasn't satisfied in Oakland. It was, it was just the yeah. wrong place for him. It, it, was just, the wrong it wasn't place. the right place for him. You've got three first-round picks. You've got a few more next season. I mean, this Oakland Raiders team is going to be something special. Just it, it, And it's all going to come down to draft day simply because, you know, they have the picks. It's about, you know, the right decisions, the right fits. But you've got the man with the plan, John Gruden. He's going to make it work. I mean, he's arguably one of the best coaches in football, one of the best coaches we can argue of all time. And, I mean, this Oakland Raiders team, it's going to be some spe- a team you're going to have to watch out for. This this can be a sleeper team in the AFC. I mean, who knows? Time will tell. But I still got the, the Cleveland Browns making a deep playoff run. But in terms of, you know, really getting out of the AFC, I mean, it's, it's all going to come down to who can beat Tom Brady. Yeah, and that's why, like, a lot of people have given have been given the Cleveland Browns a lot of hype and how how good would this team be? Can they win the Super Bowl? No, I just I and that's no disrespect to the Cleveland Browns. I think they have the talent to win a Super Bowl, but I mean at the end of the day, it's Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Yeah, come and on, come on, guys. Let's not let's not let's not go on the bandwagon with the Cleveland Browns. Let's go back to reality. The New England Patriots still have Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. That's essentially all what you really need. I mean, this team could be 9-7 heading into the postseason on a wild card. I still got this team winning. I, that's that's just me personally. I think history rewrites itself. This team has been amazing these past, what, eight years? I mean, I, I'm not going to fall asleep on them. It doesn't matter who they lost. I know they lost an offensive lineman. They, they lost some other dudes. It doesn't matter. It, yeah. That's just, that's just kind of what I think of it. It really doesn't matter. This team is, this team is a whole steamboat. It's going to keep chugging. I don't see the team falling off anytime soon just because you got Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Tom Brady even said he has the answer to the test. Why would he retire right now? He's right. This, this, this New England Patriots team, I have them winning, winning the Super Bowl, going to the AFC Championship game and whatnot. I will not sleep on the Cleveland Browns, though. I'm giving you guys recognition right now. Cleveland Browns are going to be a good team. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Jacksonville Jaguars, you're going to be a good team. Oakland Raiders, I, I expect them to be a good team as well. But I just got the, I got the New England Patriots. I think history is going to rewrite itself. One thing I want to touch up on this free agency is – Guys got what they deserved. I mean, Le'Veon Bell was looking for that long-term contract. The Jets gave it to him, although, you know, it wasn't equivalent to, you know, the pay that he got on the franchise tag. But it was more of, you know, I want to make sure – it's more of like an insurance policy in a way. It's I want to make sure I have, a you know, enough money if something were to happen. And Le'Veon Bell, you know, pretty much secured the bag. He's worried about long-term. And there was a bunch of teams that didn't want to give him that contract, such as the Baltimore Ravens, yeah. according to multiple reports, just due to the fact that they thought that he was out of shape. And there's been a lot of reports saying that he is out of shape, that he's been eating mm-hmm. a lot, he's gained some weight. I think, personally, he's going to lose it during training camp. I think he'll be all right. But th- just keep that in mind. That's why the Baltimore Ravens didn't really get Le'Veon Bell, just because of the fact that, hey, this guy's 
they, they're not too sold on him. Mm-hmm. A year off football in your prime, that can sometimes sway the team, sway teams the wrong way. Yeah. And then we also have uh, Nick Foles, four years, $88 million. He can earn up to 100 depending on, you know, bonuses and things like that. And I believe it was 50-plus guaranteed. I mean, well-deserved Super Bowl champion. You know, didn't get enough credit. But, I mean, sh- shout-out Nick Foles. And then uh, Oakland Raiders also extended that contract for Antonio Brown, which which I really I really liked it. You know, they're, they're putting value into him as a person. You know, they're showing him that, you know, you're coming in. We're going to, you know, give you that extra chunk of money. They extended his contract from 38 to 50-plus, you know, just just over 50. I mean, that's that's a hell of a move by John Gruden. I mean, I don't know how he pulled it off, you know, especially because he's in the AFC. You don't want to trade a guy like Antonio Brown within the same, you know, conference. But Steelers did it for a third and fifth round pick, which I think was really stupid. Best wide receiver in the league. But – Overall, this free agency was something special. No doubt about it. And I also like the, the acquisition of LaMarcus Joyner with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, he's a young gun. You know, he, he can play safety. I mean, they, they also got Trent Brown from the New England Patriots. I just spoke about that. Mm-hmm. Given, given him the, the highest paid offensive tackle, you know, contract in, in, in NFL history, which is big. So, I mean, Oakland Raiders had a bunch of moves. It's NFL free agency. I'm going to go ahead and say it again. A plus. I really loved it. It was nail-biting and whatnot, a bunch of unexpected things. I mean, Adam Schefter became Woj for a good, you know, he, he He's the NFL Adrian Wojnarowski. I, I want to say one thing, though. One thing, one thing. Um, about the NFL, I, I want to say one thing. I love how marquee free agents don't really think about the cities. They think about yeah. the contract, and I really respect that. In the, in the NBA, for example, you got guys like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, wanted to go team up in nowhere else but New York. You got guys like Kawhi Leonard wanted wanted to go to maybe Brooklyn, Los Angeles, not the Lakers, the Clippers. You, I mean, there's there's a bunch of guys that want to go for the big city, and I I respect a guy like Cole Beasley, for example, who was a, a highly coveted you know slot receiver who went to Buffalo. You got a guy like Earl Thomas who went to Baltimore. When in the hell are we going to ever see a super team in Charlotte, North Carolina? Charlotte Hornets will never get a super super team due to free agency. That's just that's just what it, that's what it comes down to. But you can see that you can see that happen in Cleveland, Ohio. What's happening right now? You know, you got Odell Beckham Jr., Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt. I mean, you have so many pieces on that team, and that's that's what happens in the NFL. It's it's more of a bag than a city. Yeah. And I and I respect it because the NBA. I mean, these guys are kind of spoiled. They know they can get their bag. They mm-hmm. know that any team will offer them hundred mil. I mean, yeah. that's just what it comes down to. But it is what it is. I like how marquee free agents go to places for the money and not really focus on the city, and that's why it gives it gives smaller uh, smaller markets the advantage in the NFL. That's what I want to get to. Okay, it's good good way to look at it. But uh, let's focus on the Cleveland Browns for a minute. You know, the topic is with you know with the addition of OBJ, are they the favorite out of the AFC? But in the big picture, will they win the Super Bowl? Um, I definitely don't want to count them out to, to not win a Super Bowl. I think in three, four years, they have the chance to win a Super Bowl. I just think, me personally, some luck comes into the comes, comes into NFL. You need some calls to go your way. I mean, you look at the, the New Orleans Saints, for example. Last year, what happened in the playoffs? They got a pass interference call. No, excuse me. They didn't get a pass interference call. That should have been called. That's kind of just being unlucky sometimes and whatnot. You got to have I mean, some... you can't necessarily – I mean, there was a face mask on – you know Jared Goff, which could have you know arguably made and, the Saints go for a touch of, you know, force them to go for a touchdown. And, and that's that's and that's that's you're just helping so me it's all out about limiting mistakes. And that that that's what I'm trying to get you though. But sometimes it's like it's it's 
It's the refs that kind of mess you up in the game sometimes. It's just big ones. Sometimes you just get big calls. I'm not saying that the Cleveland Browns have to be 100% lucky that the wind has to be flying their way. I'm just saying so I'm, in order to win a Super Bowl, you got to have a, a tiny bit of luck that has to sway your way. That's just what it – I mean, there was a neutral zone infraction sometimes, and that the refs didn't really call it. But, I mean, it is what it is. I think this team can win a Super Bowl in the next few years. I still got the Patriots winning it in the short term next season. I, I definitely talked about Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. This Cleveland Browns team is going to be special, though. And I want to also get to one more point. I, I've been I've been digging on points for a little bit. I really do like how Cleveland. I, I discussed this earlier. It was like a month ago. How if you're if you're on a rookie, if your best player is on a rookie contract, you got to make moves. I, I keep yeah. saying it. You got to make moves. I like what's what the New York Jets did with Sam Donald. They got Le'Veon Bell. I mean, you know, Sam Donald's on a rookie contract. They have the cap flexibility to get Le'Veon Bell. Same thing with the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield's on a rookie contract. That's going to be someone that you're going to end up paying big big amounts of money to. You were able to get Odell Beckham Jr. You know, you were able to get Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, sign those guys. That's what happens when you're on rookie deals. That's just that's what it comes down to. you got to make your moves when, whenever your best player's on rookie contracts. Yeah, and I want to, you know, Cleveland Browns, they've got a really nice offensive line led by Joel Batonio, who's one of the most versatile offensive linemen you can find in the league. He, you know, he's entering his prime. He's only 27 years old. He just came off of, you know, his best season. He made the Pro Bowl. But there's just two key guys I want to touch up on their defense. I mean, we know Miles Garrett is a force to be reckoned with. I think, you know, his potential, he can be the greatest defensive end in the league at, at some point of his career. But I want to focus on Demarius Randall, who came off of, you know, four interception season. He's still a young corner. Then you also have Denzel Ward, who they're saying can be the next shutdown corner. I mean, entering his rookie season, he was the fourth pick. He had three interceptions. I mean, for a team that really, you know, coming off an 0-16 season, for a guy to, you know, ha have a good rookie season like that, it just shows something. He's going to be something special. He's going he, to be a guy you want to look out for in Cleveland. He's gonna, you don't want to throw to him. I mean, he's, he's one of those dudes who at one point of their career you can say, you can also argue, you know, if he's the best corner in the league. But – Let's not jump, you know, too ahead of time. But let's focus on that wide, wide receiver core in Odell and Jarvis. You know, we go all the way back to 2013 where both of them, you know, played at LSU their junior season. They both received for 1,000-plus yards. And it's, it's also said that they could have been – they could be the best wide receiver duo to ever play in college, which I think you can't doubt it. Now you got them both in the NFL entering their prime. The only issue is can Odell Beckham stay healthy – because if he's healthy, he's a top five wide receiver in the league. And Jarvis Landry has shown, you know, he's got one of the biggest hands for a wide receiver. And if the ball's coming his way, he's grabbing it. But overall, you also got David Njoku at tight end who can really be, you know, he's entering his third season. He can be one of the, you know, top tight ends in the league. You know, under center, you've got Baker Mayfield who had a stellar rookie season, first pick in the draft. And one thing we keep forgetting is the Cleveland Browns have Kareem Hunt. And Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb as well, because Duke Johnson, Duke Johnson's arguably getting traded. I mean, that is, this is one of the most lethal offensive offenses in the league. It's just, it's just a matter of you know how it fits together if everything comes into play. If it does, I mean, they're a Super Bowl contender come this season. I think within the next three years, just depending how everything gets together, I think they make it out of the AFC. And I want to give some, I want to put some pressure on Freddie Kitchens. I mean, he's the head coach for the for the Cleveland Browns. You know, it's his first year, full, first full year in a Cleveland Browns uniform. 
you know, you have the talent, you have the coaching staff and whatnot. Pressure's on you. You got to be able to make you make those adjustments and make sure everyone fits in well together. I also want to talk about John Dorsey. Amazing job at GM. I mean, he basically just flipped this whole culture for the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns were what one and thirty-one, two and thirty-one over the past two years. John Dorsey has done an amazing job. You know, got the right guys in the draft, made the trades. I mean, now this team is looking like it's set for the future. Amazing job, amazing job. And people forget he's the one that built that uh, Kansas City Chiefs dynasty. I mean, he made the risk. He drafted Tyreek Hill, who was slept on in the draft. I mean, he got Patrick Mahomes. This team, this team's definitely going to be something special. I mean, it's another super team in the league. Now we've got what four, four, five super teams, or you know, three, four, two in the making. I mean, who knows? This this Cleveland Browns team is nothing to be joked with. I mean, we can go all day with this topic. You know, we can go deeper into it, but we just got a certain amount of time to talk about what. And I say we flip the script, head into some NBA basketball. Let's talk some NBA basketball. So it was the other night. It was a typical OKC versus Utah game, closed game and whatnot. This fan started jabbing out Russell Westbrook, you know, t- t- talking some mess. And then he, he eventually told Russell Westbrook to get down on his knees like he used to. And Russell Westbrook was livid. He was pissed. I mean, this guy was – this dude, Russell Westbrook, was basically giving threats to the dude, saying that he'll, uh, you know, explicit his family up and fight the dude and whatnot. And at and first – wife. Was- yeah, at first my initial reaction was like, okay, this dude, Russell Westbrook, might be, you know, kind of mad. But I, I ended up, you know – here in the comments of that fan, he told Russell Westbrook to get down on his knees like he used to. And that's definitely a racial issue. That's definitely a racial remark. And they I don't know why in the hell they gave this fan fit their, his 15 seconds of fame, interviewing him after the game, asking what happened with Russell Westbrook. The fan was so happy that he got his limelight and whatnot. And it took one Google search, one Google search to, to see this guy's Twitter. And this guy was out here calling you know African-Americans the N-word saying racial remarks on Twitter and whatnot. The, the Jazz rightfully so gave him a lifetime ban. But I, I got to get to this point. Sometimes these fans just get out of line. They get out of pocket. Yeah. You know, you got to be able to just enjoy the game and not make things personal. That's what it comes down to. Guys are – because if Russell Westbrook was in a hoodie and some sweats in the street, you would not say that to his face. That's what it comes down to. You, you, you're, you're backed up by security guards. You're, you're hidden by security guards with your family and whatnot. You know nothing's going to happen in an NBA game. You wouldn't say that to his face. These, these fans sometimes just get out of pocket talking about these players' families, talking about them personally and whatnot. Come on, guys. Let's talk about the games. I love it whenever the fans talk about, you know, LeBron's going to trade you, doing chants like that, or Jimmy Butler. That's cool with me. That's in the confinements of the game. That's what it has to come down to. I mean, talking about a player's family, talking about a player's appearance and whatnot, something personal, come on, guys. It's, it's, it's getting bad. It's getting really bad. It's getting ridiculous. You guys got to, you know, chill out and enjoy the game because yeah. th- these fans are they're, they're acting privileged. They act like – they act like they basically own the stadium, that they get any type of right. That No, there's you You are confined to some rights whenever you're in an NBA game. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. You have to enjoy the game and not cause a scene. You just got to enjoy the game. If you want to talk trash, talk trash in a respectful manner. Say, okay, yay, Russell Westbrook, you can't shoot. That's perfectly fine. Or Russell Westbrook, hey, stop turning the ball over. Something like that. But talking about a guy's family, talking about a guy's you know racial or color of their skin, I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's a whole – and that's an issue in Utah. And I, I, I do want to talk about Utah Jazz. I mean, I, there's, there's a bunch. First of all, there's a bunch of fans in the NBA. Not just Utah, but just a bunch of fans in the UTA. Predominantly that, I mean, Utah. yeah, in, in the NBA that, that basically, you know. We can sometimes argue Boston. Get out, Boston as well. Yeah, they, they get out of line sometimes. That's, that's what it comes down to in the NBA. But it seems like that's been a recurring theme in Utah. 
just always, you know, especially chirping with Russell Westbrook. And there's been a, a bunch of players that have backed him up saying, no, these fans in Utah are, are kind of savage. I mean, yeah. these guys, I don't know what's going on with them, but it's bad in Utah. I mean, that fan, I don't know what, when the hell was wrong with him. He got to chill his ass out. Good thing he got a lifetime ban. I, I'm glad, but Russell Westbrook got fined 25K. There has been a GoFundMe, though. There's a GoFundMe for Russell, for Russell Westbrook if you guys want to donate. So, you know. I'll pass. He's making 30-plus a year. He'll be all right. But anyways, I just want to touch up, you know, we're in 2019. You know, there, there's still racism going on. I mean, it's just a, it's a sad thing. You know, people, people just don't know how to learn to accept people for who they are and, you know, not by the way they – their, you know, physical appearance. I mean, I, I don't know how we're still at this phase. I mean, you, you would think it'd be over by now, but – some people are just still racist, and it still exists. I mean, there's nothing we can do. It's just the way society is. But overall, Westbrook, I feel like he should have just let his success make the noise. I mean, Westbrook's making 30-plus million a year. The guy's sitting in the stands watching the guy play. I, mean, the guy, the I don't agree. I'm sorry. I don't agree with you. Just I, to the I, fact I that sometimes it just gets too personal. If, 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 you're, if, you're, if you're a white man in the stands and you're telling an African-American to get down on, on his knees like you used to, I'm sorry. There's certain limits that you can't but, I mean, cross. It's just, I mean, you, you got to tell me you he has to ignore that. Let, let your game play. Like, but you, but you got, you tell, but tell me, tell me this. If someone said I'm a racial remark. I'm not saying he has to, but I'm saying, you know, you can't know, ignore know where you stand in life. You're, you're way ahead of this guy. But, okay. you, have a, you have a happy family. You've got two twins. You know that you've just had. I think he has three kids now. You're making thirty plus million. You've got a successful clothing line. What, what do you have to say to this guy? You, you retaliating at this fan is only making his day better. Okay, but hear me out. It sounds okay. That sounds cool and whatnot. But we also got to understand we can't we can't say things when we don't understand his point of view. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. And how, how many times? How many times has he dealt with fans in Utah that have constantly been chirping at him? A, t- a fan, a fan should not be talking about someone's color of their skin, regardless. I, I don't know. I don't understand why you're kind of just blaming things on Russell Westbrook. I'm not blaming. There's no blame being said. No, but like, why are I you putting said, stuff on Russell? Westbrook? I, I just feel said like you should just, you know, there's better ways for Westbrook as a professional. He should have handled it. I, mean, I, know I will agree with you on that. Because his level, he's too high to be retaliating at a fan. I mean, like you said, the fan got 15 seconds of fame. I mean, which, which is ridiculous. I mean, he. It just doesn't make no sense. I mean, they go on his Twitter account. He's a racist. I mean, you could just tell the security guard, you know, these words were being said. Bang, the guy's out of there. He did. Doesn't get his 15 that's the seconds problem. of fame. And, that, and that's the problem. He did tell the security guards. He told them, hey, you know, this, this, yada, 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 this is happening. Security only issued him a warning, a, a, a yellow card, red card. I don't know what the hell was that, but they only issued him a warning. And that's kind of why Russell Westbrook was pissed. The guy kept chirping on. And I just think saying, saying racist remarks, especially to a guy like Russell, like Russell Westbrook is definitely a guy with a chip on his shoulder. If you say the wrong things to him, he's definitely going to snap up. That's the type of dude he is. Maybe if you would have said that to LeBron James, he would have laughed, laughed it off and whatnot, just kind of ignored you. And that's, yeah. that's the type of person he is. Russell Westbrook is not someone like that, and you, and you know that. And I, I, just, I just think – more blame should be on the fan. I definitely, I, I understand your no, point I, of view. I mean, the fan, the fan. I think he got what he deserved. Lifetime ban. You know, we don't need him at a Utah game. But in terms of Westbrook's end, I feel like he just, he doesn't know how to control himself at times. I mean, there was there was a point in Denver where a little boy just, you know, pretty much touched him. I mean, he didn't have to, you know, tell his. I mean, it's just the kid enjoying the moment. He's sitting courtside. It, it wasn't anything serious. It wasn't like the the little guy tripped him. But overall, I feel like that fan got what he deserved. I don't think Westbrook should have been fined 25K. You know, words were said on both ends. But as a professional athlete, I mean, words are going to be said 
every day. You know, guys, whenever you walk into the stadium, they're going to cuss you out. They're going to say whatever. But you should know your level. I mean, you're 10 steps ahead of these guys. You're living a way better life. You're more successful. Why give them the attention that they, they're seeking? It's, it's all an attention-seeking game. You know, we went on the Twitter account. The guy, the guy tried to play the sad game. You know, I didn't say anything to him. I just said, you know, uh, ice your knees. But, you know, when we, you know, we, see, we hear the other side of the story and then we look deeper into his Twitter account, this guy's just a racist. I mean, who just got the attention he was seeking for. And you know, hopefully he loses his job after they look through his Twitter. And I think I, I, I think I think there's a lot of built up anger as well with Russell Westbrook. And maybe that's kind of why he went off on the fan. You talked about the altercation in Denver when the fan touched him and whatnot. Yeah. What happened in the playoffs with Utah. And there's been a lot of instances where he just talks trash to fans. Sometimes it's for the good, sometimes for the bad. I think this one, in my opinion, this is an opinion thing. I, I, I think the fan definitely went too overboard. I, I, I respect what what. what Russell Westbrook did because sometimes as players you got to be able to talk yeah. as well. I think we shouldn't be limiting players to, hey, don't talk back to the fans. No, I mean he's talking mess to me. I could talk mess back. You want to talk about the color of my skin? Well then, okay, you can just catch me outside. So that's uh, yeah. that's that's how it is. I don't think the fine was necessary. I think it was unjust. But see, but we got to look at, you know, both the position because Westbrook cusses at a fan or the fan cusses at Westbrook. Westbrook can't necessarily file a lawsuit. I mean it's gonna get nowhere. You know, we don't know the guy's mm -hmm. financial status. But now that Westbrook threw that threat, you know, I'll mess you and your wife up, the fans got a lawsuit on Westbrook. So in this case, Westbrook got a $25,000 fine. Now he's got a lawsuit. Now he's got, you know, the worries of, you know, he's got two twins at home that, you know, his wife just recently gave birth. He's also got a clothing line that he's running. You know, now he's got an extra thing he's got to worry about. He's got the playoffs coming up. So it's just, you know, be in playoff mode. Ignore the haters. Ignore the critics. The critics, and just play ball. I mean, guys are gonna say things. You know, let it be. They're gonna go home. They're gonna reminisce that you gave them no attention. I mean, this guy, this fan's probably the happiest guy in the world now that he got his 15 second fame. And Westbrook's gotta learn that. You know, learn your position. In clout, you can't just give away the clout to certain people, especially a guy like that. We've been talking about, you know. Some stuff ha happening in stadiums, and let's talk about what happened in New York as well. Ooh, James, I just, I just got some buckets just now. James, James, James Dolan, a fan at the end of a New York Knicks game, game, excuse me, told James Dolan to sell the team. That's yeah. all he told him. James Dolan got him kicked out. Now this fan has a lifetime ban <laughs> from Madison Square Garden. And I know me and you can agree on this one, but I mean this this one this one's ridiculous. This one, I think, like, when I talk about confinements of the game, that's perfectly in the confinements of the game. So, if, and if you're the owner of, of Madison Square Garden, the New York Knicks, you got to have the thickest skin in the world. I mean, yeah. you're the owner of not only, like, not any other franchise, but New York. Like, that's how it is in New York. Fans are, are rowdy and whatnot. They're going to talk their mess. You got to be able to have thick skin. And for a fan to tell you to sell the team, he didn't talk about you personally. Talk about, yeah. He didn't talk about your family. He didn't talk about your appearance. told you to sell the team. And for you to give him a lifetime ban, that kind of just shows what type of person James Dolan is. You know, it, it, it just it just it defines James Dolan. I'm just going to leave it at that. It, it defines James Dolan as a person. I, I think James Dolan was trying to flex a little bit. I mean, there's a couple females around him. He's walking into the tunnel. He, fan says something. Sell the team. You know, I think he felt like, you know, this is my time, to, you know, you know, flex flex for the ladies for a minute. And he was like, yeah, how's the lifetime ban feel? I think for the fan, 
I think he could have been one of those guys that booed Porzingis on draft day, and it's just karma doing its thing. Who knows? But overall, I'm going to say James Dolan is a savage. It's pretty funny. I mean, it's no, that's it's nothing serious. I, I, I don't think that's funny because, like, now this fan can never go to a New York Knicks game. Like, what if this guy was a longtime fan and whatnot? I, I, don't, I don't think the – I think, you know, the – He's going to get over it, withhold the band, let the guy come. I think it was just more uh, the heat of the moment. I mean, this no, but, like, seriously, seriously, like, let's go back, like, be serious. In all seriousness, this, 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 dude, this, fan, James, this dude, James Dillon, is tripping. Like, I don't know what's going yeah. on with him. He has some stuff going on. Like, you, you haven't won you – haven't, you haven't shown any type of consistent success with the New York Knicks. And how long? I mean, you've been the owner, and your, your track record is just complete yeah. horrible. It's complete garbage. And, I mean, it's ridiculous. And then for you to want to give fans, you know, a lifetime ban for just expressing their opinions on how bad the franchise has been, I'm sorry. The franchise has been horrible. And fans have the, fans have the right, you yeah. know, to, to, to criticize you for the horrible job you've been doing. So this is ridiculous on James Dolan's part. Like, he, seriously, this is bad. He's definitely been doing a horrible job. But you got to look at it on the other side. I mean, it's the New York Knicks. I mean, if I'm the owner, I don't care if it's 30 years we haven't won a championship. I'm not selling that team, you know, whatever the scenario is. I mean, sometimes, you know, not everyone can just wake up and be an NBA owner, an NFL owner, you know, even an NHL owner. I mean, it's honestly just an opportunity that you can't miss up on. And it's it's pretty much, I mean, it's just something. It's more. It becomes more of a hobby. Like, you wake up every day. You, know, you own the New York Knicks, but that's that's games, not that's not like how you're supposed to take it. You're supposed to take it as a lifestyle. If you're the owner of a Knicks, you have a first yeah, of all. I mean, it's, you have a it's not too easy. It's not that. And easy. this dude, James Dolan, hasn't embraced the whole New York culture. I mean, he's yeah. done a horrible job. And I understand. Okay, you're the you're the owner of the New York Knicks. And if you you said you personally, you wouldn't sell the New York Knicks. Well, I mean, yeah, who who in the hell would? I mean, that's what that's what I'm trying to get down but to. In all but, seriousness, but this this guy think, James this guy James Dolan is tripping. Yeah. He's he's tripping. Like, and, in all seriousness, I I think if. If he does, you know, go through with the ban and really does ban him, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty ridiculous. Simply because New York has the New York Knicks are one of the most diehard, most loyal, most you know, loving. And fans. they've been through the most. Yeah, most loving fans who've been through a lot and haven't really won anything in the last thirty years. So I think for him to you know just step in there over one remark, I mean, it was more of, I think the moment and the surrounding and. You know the emotions that kicked in. You know they're they're looking bad as it is after all. Maybe if the lottery had happened prior and they realized they got the number one pick, he would have been in a better mood. But I mean overall, I just think it was a stupid situation, and James Dolan just I think overreacted in all seriousness. I want to go ahead and switch the topic. I mean, the other night Lou Williams became the N the NBA's leading scorer off the bench. This guy has been killing it lately. Excuse me, killing it lately. My question to you is: Is Lou Williams the best six man of all time? I think he is. I mean, he's ha he has the NBA record of you know most points off the bench. I mean, we you know we can argue that. I mean, he's averaging twenty plus this season. He's a leader. He's the leader of that Clippers team, and he's coming off the bench. I mean, that just shows you a lot. I mean, it shows you that he can be a starter. I mean, in arguably any anywhere else, but. It just fits his role, you know, coming off the bench, giving the team that spark that they need. And overall, I don't think, I don't think it's close. I mean, we, we can argue, you know, guys like the but Lou Will throughout most of his career has been a six man. A lot of guys, you know, they started, came off the bench, started. It's more of like a rotation thing. But I mean, overall, he just passed Del Curry 
you know, shout out on that accomplishment. But I, I think he is. He's, he's argue, I, I don't think it's – I think it's by a, a big margin that he's the best sixth man ever. I don't want to disrespect any type of, you know, six men that have paved the way for Lou Williams, yeah. such as Jason Terry, you know, mm-hmm. Del Curry, Eric Gordon, Jamal Crawford. The list goes on. But I will say one thing. Lou Williams is the best six man of all time. Yeah. That's what it comes down to, and here's why. Number one, he's given you – last year he gave you almost 23 points off the bench. This year he's given you almost 21 points a game, leading his Clippers team without a Tobias Harris to the playoffs. They have a culture there, and they have a bunch of hard-nosed dudes, and it starts with Lou Williams. You look at the, If you just watch a Clippers game, fourth quarter, five minutes left, the ball has to go through Lou Williams' hands. That's what it comes down to. This guy is a six-man, but he's really the best player on the team. He's the leader of that team offensively, and this guy's doing a tremendous job. He's embraced the six-man role. Number two, this guy has been a this guy like like you said. This guy has been a six-man basically his whole career. He was projected to start, but Allen Iverson came, and that's what happened. Yeah, and and that you could argue that that was probably one of the best things to happen to his career due to the fact that he was gonna start. Allen Iverson came back to Philadelphia and Lou Williams played on the bench and he played amazing. Him and Allen Iverson sometimes would integrate within the, you know, the confinements of the game. They would play together, even though Lou Williams would come off the bench and they played amazing. Lou Williams embraced that role and he's been a six man almost everywhere he's gone. He played in Toronto. I know he pl- he's been playing in, uh, in uh, excuse me, in Los Angeles. He's been killing it. I mean, that's, and that's what it comes down to. He's been a natural six man. Number three. This guy, it comes down to the accolades as well. This guy's on, on track to get his third six-man of the year. I love what Derrick Rose is doing. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. Lou Williams is doing it on another level. He's doing it in a playoff effort. Yeah, he's doing it in a playoff effort. His team is about to make the playoffs, giving you 21. He's leading his team to the playoffs. Keep in mind, they lost Tobias, They lost their best player, Tobias Harris. They lost him. This, and you could argue this Clippers team would – Probably be a six or seven seed with Tobias Harris back in that lineup. But they're still in the playoffs. They're still doing an amazing job. This dude, Lou Williams, I mean, I have him as my best six man of all time. And they, he, he even has his own song from Drake. Six yeah. man like Lou Will. I mean, And there's, there's a handful of other rappers that have been shouting him out. And, and, I mean, this, come on, guys. Like, seriously, seriously, this dude, Lou Williams, is the best six man of all time. He also raps. And I, I want to give credit to Jason Terry. He's paved the way for Lou Williams. He did an amazing job in Dallas. Eric Gordon, but he, he's Jason been, Terry was more of a role player. L- Lou Williams is more of like he he's that best player on the team. No, no, I, I'm not. I'm not saying Jason Terry is a better. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying, saying Jason Terry gives them the edge. I'm saying Jason Terry yeah. paved the way for Lou Williams. Oh, yeah. I, Lou, Lou Williams is a way better six man than Jason Terry. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I say Jason Terry paved the way. Jason Terry was an amazing six man for the Mavs. Almost averaged 20 points a game coming off the bench. Key player in the championship. Key player. Key player in the championship run. He did an amazing job, and I think guys like that paved the way for Lou Williams. Lou and I, I, I was thinking earlier. Lou Williams is going to be one of those dudes when I'm like 40 to 50, I'm going to be talking to the younger generation of the world. I'm going to be, and he's going to be forgotten in history. I promise yeah. you that. Like if we talk about a Glenn Rice or someone, we might even or someone about Draymond Green or, 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 or Del Curry. Those guys are kind of forgotten in history, mm-hmm. but Lou Williams, I feel like he's going to be one of those guys. I feel like when I'm 40, 50 years old, I'm going to be like, how, well, you know, y'all, y'all kids back in my day, you don't know nothing about Lou Williams yeah. and they're going to be so confused. But Lou Williams, I mean, he might, end up being one of those guys that sneaks into the Hall of Fame due to the, due to his impact and being one of the best six men of all time and in my opinion the best six men of all time. So it's crazy to see Lou Williams, you've been eating lately. This Clippers team look like it's poised to make a playoff run. I think this uh, this Clippers team can give the Warriors one or two games and it's it's going to be fun to see. I love this Clippers team. It's it's fun to see. I, Lou Williams I, I, is the best six men of all time. 
I mean, I, I, I like what you're getting to, but I don't think the Clippers give the Warriors a single game. It's going to be a sweep. So, so you think Clippers just out by the way, DeMarcus Cousins just came off of a 27-7-8 game. No Kevin Durant. They beat the Houston Rockets. I mean, this Warriors team is looking dangerous. They're looking dangerous, so, but you also got to remember. But I feel come playoff time, we've all seen the Warriors. They, they flipped the script. I mean, they hit a whole other level of basketball. And like I said, there's the regular season. And there's the playoffs. But, th- like, back to the point, the Clippers are just that eight seed that you don't want to see. Like, that's that's what I'm saying. They're going to give the Clippers a run for their money due to due to the fact that these guys are the toughest team in the league. Like, I'm not talking about toughest yeah. as a matchup. These guys are, like, tough players. Montrez Harrell is going to get into Draymond Green. Patrick Beverly is going to get into Seth Curry. Mm-hmm. They're going to be a tough matchup. That's why I think they can sneak one game. That's just me personally. I think a game at home, momentum's on their side. I think they can sneak one game. I'm not saying – like, I, like I, that's just me personally. We can agree to disagree. We, come playoff time, we can just see it's gonna it. It's going to be a sweep. I mean, that's... I, I can guarantee this one. It's going to be a sweep. Because Kevin Durant, come playoff time, he's another person, all right? The man's a two-time NBA champion, two-time finals MVP, MVP of the league. All right, we can go all day, but let's get into something that I've been, you know, He's been craving. itching. He's been itching been to talk itching. about this. Like, I've went to the doctor for rashes. All right, that's how hard I've been itching lately. Car Anthony Towns has been eating, and I'm not talking about Ezekiel Elliott eating. I'm talking about eating on eating on another level. He's not eating breakfast. He's he's eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, and another freaking meal after. I mean, how good is Car Anthony Towns? How good is he? You got it. I'm gonna let you go. You, all right, yeah, I'm gonna let First you go. All, Come on now. Let me break it down to the stats. All right, last ten games, my man is averaging 34 points and 13 rebounds a game. All right, for the season, he's shooting 40 percent from three. He's averaging his career 24 points, 12 rebounds. I mean, these past ten games, he's had three 40 point games. Two of them were 40 points, 15 plus rebounds. I mean, the man is a dog. I'm gonna say it now. In terms of his first four years, he's gonna be better than Anthony Davis. Simply because, all right, simply because, check this out. He got rookie of the year. All right, Anthony, Dev- Anthony Davis never made rookie of the year. Just based off his first four seasons, he's going to be better than Anthony Davis. All right, listen to me. He's averaging more points, more rebounds in the first four years. He shoots better from the field. He shoots better from three. He shoots, he has a higher f- uh, free throw percentage at just under 84%. I mean, you can't tell me. The, the numbers don't lie. All right, the numbers don't lie. And it just his effort shows on the court that no one, no one can stop this man. No one can stop Carl Anthony Towns. He's a force to be reckoned with. This is why you don't. Man. Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, the, look, what success? Okay, okay. I'll let you talk. Anthony I'll let Davis you talk. Now you're gonna let me talk. Four seasons. You're, you're gonna let me all talk right? now. Look, th- first of all, this is why you don't. This is why num- like numbers lie to you sometimes. Just because you look at a guy's number doesn't mean I'm he's. Not, I let you talk. Now you're gonna let me talk. Right, go on, take it away, buddy. That's why you don't you don't you don't pay attention to numbers. I, obviously, this guy Carl Anthony Towns. Okay, look, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to let me talk. Like seriously, like this guy Carl Anthony Towns. He's been eating. Don't get me wrong. I don't even have him as my top two center. I mean, he's 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 the third best center. I think I have him. I have Jokic over him, and I got Joel Embiid over him. Yeah. A- Anthony Davis can guard all five positions basically. Carl Anthony Towns, however, he's a low post star. He's first of all, no disrespect, Carl Anthony Towns. He can play. I don't think he's gonna be better than Anthony Davis. Due to the fact that Anthony Davis is a more versatile player than Carl Anthony Towns, Car- Anthony Davis is a skinnier, more mobile big man that can literally score on all three, 
levels of the floor, mid-range, post-up, three-ball. Soaking Towns. Uh, but hear me out. Anthony Davis is more mobile. I did not say Carl Anthony Towns cannot do that. Anthony, De- Anthony Davis is more mobile. He's more perfected at certain skill sets than Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns is a more dominant big man. Carl Anthony Towns will get into you, get, put his shoulder into you, dunk on you. Anthony Davis is not going to do that. He might cross you over, use his length to score on you. That's the difference. Anthony Davis, he's a way better defender than Carl Anthony Towns will ever be. That's what it comes down to. I agree on that. Anthony Davis has a longer wingspan, better shot-blocking instincts. This dude, Anthony Davis, is a defensive prowess. Carl Anthony Towns is nowhere near that. Carl Anthony Towns, don't get me wrong, he can score and whatnot. He's still my third best big man. If we're just talking about big man, not the power forward and center position. I'm just talking about big men. Those two combined, Anthony Davis is the best big man. You can argue with him and Joel Embiid. That's really what it comes down to. And I understand your point. You say in a, in a few years, Carlton Towns will be better than him. Okay, well, then we got to see his team success because you talked about how how other players were doing stuff in a losing effort. Carlton Towns is doing, this, is doing what he's doing in a losing effort. So was Anthony Davis, however. But Anthony Davis has led his team to the playoffs. One, he has won a first-round series. Carlton Towns, he has, he has yet to do that. That's all I'm saying. I think Carlton Towns is going to be special. I just don't think that he'll be better than Anthony Davis due to the fact that Anthony Davis is a more versatile big man. He can, he's a way better defender. He can, do three, he can do things more perfected at all three levels. That's, that's why I think. But see, hear me out. Here's my argument. My argument is based on his first four years and based on Anthony Davis' first four years, Carl Anthony Towns is a step ahead of what Anthony Davis was. I mean, we can all agree on that. Offensively, Carl Anthony Towns is better than Anthony Davis. He can spread the floor better. He's a way better three-point shooter. He's average, he's 40% from three for his career. He's a way better perimeter shooter. I think I think offensively, Carl Anthony Towns has the edge. I think defensively, I give it to Anthony Davis. You know, Carl Anthony Towns, Carl Anthony Towns the only problem is his, his physicality. He needs to, you know, hit the weight room a little bit more. But I think once he does that, I mean, he, he's, he's going to be a stopper in the league. I mean, the guy is really athletic. He's really versatile. He, he, I mean, as a center, he can do it all. He's not a guy you want at the free throw line. He's shooting, you know, about 80-plus 80, 80 percent from the free throw line. So late game, he can really close the game out, you know, either shooting the ball or, you know, at the line. I mean, overall, you gotta, you got to take into account this guy's already made an all-NBA team. He's already signed that max contract. He's just—he's headed for success. The only thing that's really stopping him is the performance that An- Andrew Wiggins has been given lately. I mean, his inconsistency, his lack of effort. I mean, overall, and then you know they give away Zach Levine, their which could have been you know their key franchise player, you know one of their key guys heading down the line. But if you if you break down the numbers in the success, I think Conte Towns has a lot has had a lot more success than Anthony Davis. In terms of his first four years, okay, I, I can agree with you on the first four years. He's had more success. I, I, I think I'm saying overall, I think Conley Towns is going to be better than Anthony Davis, and that's that's where I disagree with you because Conley Towns, we've seen a Conley Towns before. Conley Towns, I, no, 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 hear me out, and agree with me on this. Conley Towns is a lesser version of Joel Embiid. That's and that's what it comes down to. He can do almost everything Joel Joel Embiid can do, but Joel Embiid is seven three and what two hundred seventy pounds. That's what it comes down to. Anthony Davis, however, I think he's more of an athletic Demarcus Cousins. I I don't agree on that, but J- Anthony Davis, however, is a seven foot skinny frame. He's kind of has he kind of has a a frame ish of Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's a big man that could do everything on every level. He's what he if I'm not mistaken, he won a Defensive Player of the Year. And I mean, this dude, Anthony Davis. I mean, I, I just I don't agree with you due to the fact that Anthony Davis is a generational talent. 
Conley Towns, he's going to be a great big man and whatnot, but he's not a generational talent. He's going to be you know, a, an amazing player for years to come. I just think Anthony Davis is not is someone we don't see often, and that's why you see teams offering the whole boat for Anthony Davis. No one – I mean, whenever Jimmy Butler was on the Minnesota Timberwolves and he played – and you can you can testify well, I mean, for this. I mean, that's because Conley Towns has never been on trade block. But, but, you, but you can testify for this, though. Whenever Jimmy Butler was on the Minnesota Timberwolves and they played together – Carl Anthony Towns was basically virtually where was he? I mean, he was he was unknown. He was invisible on the scene. He was playing horrible basketball with Jimmy Butler on the fo- on the floor, and that's kind of not that's kind of what you don't want with the alpha dog. I think if Carl Anthony Towns really wants to elevate his game, first of all, he has to win games, lead his team to the playoffs. Because you could have argued that last year Jimmy Butler was the sole and he was the, he was the best player on that team last year, and he was the emotional leader on that team. This year, you don't got Jimmy Butler. What are you, the, the 13th seed in the West? I mean, you're one of the or, or the or the 12th seed in the West. You're one of the worst teams in the West. He has to he has to be able to lead his team to a playoff series. Anthony Davis did that. DeMarcus Cousins was out, tore his Achilles. He was still able to lead his team. Him and Nikola Miritich were eating in the playoffs, swept the Portland Trailblazers. The, what, what were they, the third seed? They were a sixth seed swe- sweeping the Portland Trailblazers. I got to see more from Carlton Towns. I definitely agree with you that he's had more success in the first four years. I just don't think that he'll be better than Anthony Davis due to the fact that Anthony Davis is a longer wing, better defender, and he can virtually do anything that Carlton uh, Downs can do offensively, and he's a better offensive player in my opinion. So, See, with Carlton Towns, there's something different. All right, Anthony Davis' first four seasons, I mean, he's never – I don't even think throughout his whole career he's ever played 70-plus 70, 70 games. You look at Carlton Towns' his first three years, 82 games. You know, this, come this season – he didn't miss any games un- until maybe one due to injury, and the other two was due to concussion protocol, which happened in a car accident. So these are, you know, they don't really throw a scare. With Anthony Davis, it's like, you know, these shoulder injuries, you know, are they going to keep happening? Can this derail his productivity? I think this is one thing that can really slow him down. And another thing is with Anthony Davis, we've never, we still haven't seen success. And I think, what is he, in his seventh year in the league? He's got out the first round once. I know a lot has to do with, you know, him being in the West, him not giving a chance to really shine, you know, with, you know, another team that really can give him an opportunity to really show his attributes. So I'm not going to, you know, flip the script yet, but I'm basing it off of, you know, if Anthony Davis' career, content, you know, continues how it's going with, you know, him battling injuries, you know, him continuing to, you know, you know, be on a team that's, you know, not really being the supporting cast that he needs. I think at a certain period, we're going to say Carl Anthony Towns is, you know, a much better player than Anthony. I also want to talk about this point right here. I don't even know if Carl Anthony Towns is in my top five for age 25 and under players. And I'm because, like, think about it. I got Giannis Mm -hmm. and I got Joel Embiid. I got my man Jokic. Those are three players definitely better than him. We can argue the Luka Doncic one. I think Luka Doncic is a more complete player than Carl Towns. I think we got to wait on that one. I mean, you can argue, but I think that one is just – his rookie season, because if we look at Carl Anthony Towns' rookie season, he was giving you twenty plus points, twelve plus rebounds. Uh, and I okay. mean that's a that that's, that's a monster rookie season. That 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 and, and I agree with it's you. It's all about can Luka Doncic. I mean, we know okay, he can put those same stats, but can those stats transition to wins? And I, mean, I, mean, I know we haven't seen it with Carl Anthony Towns, but we haven't seen it with Anthony Davis either. But if Luka Doncic can prove that, you know. He's more of a winner, which I think he is. I think he is because if I you first of all, if we look at Luka Doncic with the Mavs, when, first of all, with, he entered the Mavs and we became a winning franchise. Yeah. We became a winning cultured franchise. That's what it comes because we were uh, what we were a ninth seed, eight mm-hmm. seed at one point. We traded Dennis Smith Jr. 
DeAndre Jordan, Wesley Matthews. We traded all those players. We traded yeah. three out of five of our starters, and that's what it comes down to. I think that's really what it comes down to. And now we're basically tanking. Yeah. I mean, this dude, Luka Doncic, is a winner. That's what it, you saw his dunk last night. Mm-hmm. He missed the free throw, however. Yeah. His dunk last night, he's a winner. I think, me personally, if I was to start a franchise, I would have Luka over Carlton Towns. That's me personally. I know, I know I'm kind of hopping on the bandwagon a little bit due to the fact that it's only his rookie year, Luka Doncic's rookie year. I just think right now, as of right now, if I was to make my top five or top four 25 under list, I would have Luka Doncic in there over Conte Towns. I will say this. You can, I would probably, I will rewrite my wrongs. I will probably have Conley Towns as number five mm-hmm. on the top top five under 25 list. You, I would say Devin Booker, but Devin Booker has not led his team to any type yeah, of success. I think you can't just, you know, throw. I think yeah. Devin Booker, talent-wise, I think he can be one of the best shooting guards in the league. I think he can be the best shooting guard mm-hmm. in the league. But it's all just about how his team's success. Because, I mean, what, what are they, 11, 12 wins this season? I mean, that's not cutting it. You haven't made the playoffs in the last – in your whole entire career you've been at Phoenix. So it's more of the weight game. we got to see how it plays off. He also has, you know, bad injuries that he battles throughout his career. So if he can stay healthy. But in terms of, you know, the path that Carl Anthony Towns is headed, I mean, he didn't miss a single game his first three years. He missed three games this season, two of them non-injury related. One of them was just a sore knee, whatever it is. So, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is only getting better, and injuries are not stopping him. Let's go ahead and switch the topic. I definitely respect your point. You had a good point, but it's time for fight night. We haven't oh, talked yeah. boxing in a while, guys, and we got to talk about this we gotta fight. End right it with a, we got to end this show with a knockout. It's Earl Spence versus Mikey Garcia. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to even describe anything. The floor is yours. You're the boxing guy. Let's get it. Go ahead, man. You got it. All right. So, for those of you who don't know, Earl Spence, 24 and 0, 21 knockouts. And Mikey Garcia, 39 and 0. You know, two phenomenal fighters. But I think this is a fight Mikey Garcia shouldn't have taken. I mean, he goes up two weight classes. He jumps from, I think it was 135 to 147 or, you know, some around that line. Which I think he's also the shorter fighter. He's got smaller arms. You know, Earl Spence has, you know, the three-inch advantage, which in boxing means a whole lot. I mean, three inches, that's two whole weight classes. I mean, Earl Spence is one of those fighters who – no matter what you throw at him, he's going to keep coming at you. I mean, he's one of the most deadliest guys at the welterweight position. I mean, he's one of those guys you don't want to get into the ring with. And I think the only guy that can give Earl Spence a run for his money, I think there's two guys. There's Triple G, if he fights him within this year, which I doubt, and Canelo Alvarez, which I think they're waiting for a mega fight later down the road. Because Earl Spence, I don't think he's made a blockbuster name just yet. And I think that's all Canelo's waiting for. For Earl Spence to really make a name for himself, to get his name out into the boxing world and, you know, make some noise, which I think he is. If you're, you know, one of those guys who are in the boxing, I mean, we all know Earl Spence. But for those for those of you who just watch, you know, mainstream sports, I mean, not a lot of people know who he is. He's, you know, he's a really, he's an introvert kind of guy. He doesn't do a lot of talking. He makes noise on the field, you know, on the in the boxing ring. But overall, we got to look into, you know, for Amir Khan's a good example for this fight simply because. You know, we got Mikey Garcia, who's 39-0, jumping two weight classes. But Amir Khan as well, when he's jumped weight classes, it's, 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 it's affected him in his career. I mean, when he's fighting at 147, he's undefeated. But when he jumps up that weight class, he's lost three fights. He's got knocked out twice. It just shows you that, you know, sometimes it's, it's just not the right move. I know, I know that it's going to be a big payday, but 
to go up two weight classes with a guy like Earl Spence, who, you know, arguably knocks out almost every opponent that steps his way, is just it's not it's not it's not something you want to do because, I mean, come fight night, everything Mikey Garcia is going to throw at him is not really going to affect him. And Earl Spence has shown to be, you know, one of those guys that, you know, just keep coming at you. He's a dog in the ring. He's going to keep throwing punches. And, I mean, it's been said that, you know, as the fight goes on, Earl Spence's hits get harder. So that's just something Mikey should keep in mind. I mean, I don't think whatever strategy he takes coming into this fight is really going to help. Because for a guy that's going to keep coming at you and your fits, you know, your hits are not affecting him. I don't think it's going to do much damage. That's 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 my overall opinion on the fight. I got Earl Spence winning the fight. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do as well. I don't think it's that big that big of a deal. I don't I don't I don't I don't understand why you would have Mikey Garcia winning this fight. He's jumping I, up two. He was jumping up two weight classes. And the thing about boxing is, it's hard for a good smaller fighter to beat a good bigger fighter. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to. Earl Spence is taller, bigger, and he's used to this weight class. Mikey Garcia has to make the adjustments. I I, I just I got Earl Spence. I think that's what it just comes down to. Earl Spence is going to I think he's he's probably going to knock him out. He's a he's a better fighter and he's in his he's comfortable. He's in his his comfort zone and whatnot. And that's what it comes down to. I think Mikey Garcia is doing a a huge risk. I definitely commend him for what he's doing cuz if he wins this, I mean the storyline yeah. behind this will be tremendous. But that's if he wins, and I don't have him winning. That's mm-hmm. what, it, and I feel kind of messed up for saying that. But Earl Spence, I got him winning. I think it's it's an it's 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 an easy decision. I think Mikey Garcia can win, but it's gonna be hard. It's it's gonna be more of those like he's got to you know really do a lot of movement throughout the fight. He's got to get in there, attack the body early, and I mean all fight he's gonna have to move. I mean Earl Spence is gonna come at you. And it's just, it's kind of like he's going into a chess match already down a few pieces. So it's all about, can you, you're already coming into the fight down. I mean, Earl Spence has already got the edge. So it's, it's, it's all of a matter of, you know, if your game plan can work, you've got to fight a perfect fight. Earl Spence has just got to fight a B-plus fight to pull off the win because, I mean, it's just too much firepower. And I believe Andre Ward said it best. He's like, it's like you got a hundred bucks coming out of a Brinks truck, and the Brinks truck's coming at you. He's like, you know, you go down to pick up that hundred dollars. I mean, but the outcome is that truck is coming at you a hundred miles per hour. I mean, it's not gonna do anything to go for the money shot. Nothing's really gonna help you this fight. And I think overall, Mikey Garcia, you know, one of my favorite fighters to watch. But I think you made a bad business a business decision that you know maybe on the money end went right. But career-wise, I think you're 39-0. and 0. You're going to mess up that record sheet. You're in the ring with the wrong guy. I think Mikey Garcia has a chance to win. At the end of the day, it's boxing. One fight can change it all. But at the end of, this, at the, end of the day, styles make fights. And your style is not necessarily going to help you this fight. No doubt about it. I definitely want to say one thing, though. If Mikey, like, if Mikey Garcia loses this game, he will still be able to contend for a, a championship belt in his in his weight class, mm-hmm. and that's not, that I think so. That's why he's kind of in a comfortable zone as well, in a way. But I got Earl Spence as well. I mean, yeah. come on, we got Earl Spence winning this fight. I I, but, I I think I think I think Earl Spence winning this. Yeah, I think you know, Earl Spence twenty four and 21 knockouts. He's just been dogging guys at the middleweight this you know middleweight division. I mean, you bring a guy from you know two divisions lower up into your class. You know, there's some big dogs, and I mean, you're torturing dudes already in your class, and you bring a guy who's a lot. 
who shouldn't be fighting in this, you know, weight class. I mean, it's just it's just not the right thing. I, I don't agree with uh, Mikey Garcia's coaching camp. I don't agree with Robert Garcia taking this fight. I think it was a dumb decision. I think there's a lot of better fighters you could have fought. For instance, you know, Terrence Crawford, you could have made a run at that. You, you know, you could have made an offer at, you know, Gervonta Davis. There's a whole lot of fighters, Vasily Lomachenko, that, you know, you would give them more of a run for their money. It's just, at the end of the day, styles make fights. It's a game of chess, and you're down a few pieces. No doubt about it, guys. So, overall, this is the knockout punch. Yep. It's Sports Decaf. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Thanks so much for listening, guys. It was a hour plus for sure. I mean, this was a long episode. but Just we, just under hour, the hour mark. Yeah, we really appreciate you guys, appreciate you guys for listening. Um, you guys have a good one, and we're out. We're also live on Spotify. Thank you.